Hi, and welcome to Gay Out the City. I'm your host, Prince Electro Diamond, and today I am here with OnlyFans content creator, burlesque entertainer, male stripper, Damian Lenro, who is currently at the Moon in Miami on Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday, and will be at Mango's Key West on March 18th. How you doing today, Sexy? I'm good. How are you? Lenore. <laughs> oh, it's Lenore? Shit. Right, yeah. Fuck. Good morning. Morning. So, where are you originally from? Because I know you're in, like, you perform in, like, the Miami area now. Where are you originally from? I am originally from New Jersey. Work. So, what was it like growing up as a kid in New Jersey? I mean, I lived in a really quiet, like, super, super suburban town. So, I mean, it was cute. I mean, the weather sucks in New Jersey a lot of the year. It's really pretty in the spring and the fall. Um, but yeah, it was super easy place to grow up, honestly. Not a lot happening. Yeah. Once yes. you get older and you're like, a teenager or like in your early 20s it's like oh what do i do there's really nothing to do here but yeah so what was it like for you when you came out um so how that happened i was a senior well let's go back i was a junior first when I had a girlfriend at the time for like two years in high school and she was always like, I think you like guys. And I mean, I knew I liked guys, but I wasn't ready to say I liked guys yet. Yeah. And eventually she would keep insisting on it and stuff like that. And I was like, all right, well, you know, I do like guys, but I also like girls. So maybe we can explore that, you know? And, um, she was actually really cool about that and kind of like let me sort of do my thing and when we would sort of do our thing together with like her and guys and stuff like that and by senior year she was like yeah you definitely don't like girls i know you don't like girls <laughs> because it was like i wouldn't want to do stuff with her and it wasn't because they didn't like her because she's like i mean she's one of my best friends to this day and i like really loved her as a person but it's you know, I like guys, so, you know, yeah. she really helps me actually feel comfortable enough to come out. So by, like, mid-senior year, I was, like, 16 or 17, I came out, and I was like, oh, my God, I don't know. All my friends are going to, like, not talk to me anymore. You know, like, the typical kind of stuff. Like, this is not going to be easy. And luckily for me, and I know this isn't the case for a lot of people, it really was super easy i didn't lose any friends i think everybody kind of like knew already right I, in theater i was like super artsy i was always into i don't like movies like and tv that was like really gay shit and stuff like that so i, I don't think people were like as shocked as i thought they were gonna be yeah because People clock us like way before we clock ourselves, kind of, you know, like 
we think we're doing a good job at like pretending we're someone we're not in any case involving anything like if we're faking anything people know so it was it was cool it was just like i built this whole experience up in my head that it was going to be like some awful thing and it really wasn't well i mean i totally get that when like i finally did so i came out as bi at first and then like at some point my sister just told me she's like She's like, you're fucking gay, just admit it. And it's like, <laughs> and and she's like, I knew. I'm thinking you couldn't have given me a fucking hint, bitch. Like, <laughs> but I will say that's very sort of nice way to come out. I did not have that experience. <laughs> oh no. So basically, well, it wasn't my family. It was okay. So as I said, I came out as bi originally. And I was coming out, I was raised Catholic, like, I told a youth minister and I was talking to him about theatrical performance ideas that I have, and one of them, like, involved a knife, and I had, like, practiced with it, and basically he left the room, he came back, he's like, I'm giving you one of two options, either you're coming with me or I'm calling the cops. And at the time, I mean, I was 18, but I was like somewhat a sheltered 18. So like, I didn't know. So I'm like, well, I don't want the cops to call. So I went with him, got a psych eval. I passed it. He kind of in some ways like lied to like get me locked up. And I was locked in a mental institution for 64 hours. Oh, I'm so sorry. This is terrible. It was at that point, like, that was what I call the, like, start of my turn out of religion. I kind of started doing more research into, like, what the Catholic Church was about, and people around me didn't like that. I'm sure. Yeah, so at some point, I basically, there was, like, I think it was, I was in the church, like, two more years, and then, like, by the time I turned 20, I'm, like, these people are just like talking against me. I'm not going to church anymore. Like that's it. And eventually I just became like an atheist, an agnostic atheist. So I'm like, I'm like, y'all, what you think is insane. So I'm going to stay over here with logic. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So when did you first start painting? um painting you know i talk a lot of shit about college however i did learn some techniques because i thought like my thing was always when i was younger i like even when i was little i had really 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 bad add so right my parents would give me either like a thing of clay or like a sketchbook or something like that to bring to school and like grade school. So it was always drawing, sculpting, like doing shit like that. So I wouldn't be like bouncing off the walls in class, even though like I still would, but it was better yeah. for me to have something to do. So, you know, all through when I was young into high school and everything like that, I drew and I like, 
sculpted and did all that kind of stuff. But for some reason, like, I kind of didn't get the hang of painting, even though I really wanted to. Um, and of course, my parents like really, really pushed me, pushed me, pushed me to go to art school. And I had this professor in art school who taught me a couple of techniques that sort of just like completely changed it. Right. And I started really liking painting more when I was like 22, right after I dropped out the second time. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, I have these techniques and now I can paint. And with those techniques, I was actually good at it. And then I liked it better. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I don't fault. I don't fault anybody from dropping out of college. I did myself like, cause I was just, as I've said before, especially on here, like I was in the wrong major, like knowing what I know now, I went to school for music business, which just wasn't something I should have done. I would have gone for broadcast journalism. So like I could get better at doing this, but yeah, so I basically dropped out. I got a degree in audio engineering through like a technical school. Turned out I didn't like audio engineering. I like producing music, but I don't like having to sit there and like do the like technical aspect of it. Hmm. So basically, I'm what doing what most college dropouts do, which is like floating from job to job, hoping that this eventually works so that I don't have to work for anybody anymore. <laughs> Anyway, it, it's kind of like we're asked at a very young age to make like big major decisions about what we want to do with the rest of our life. And it's like, okay, what I really liked to do 20 years ago yeah. isn't going to be what I really like to do now, you know? And just because you're good at something doesn't mean you're going to want to do it as a career. Exactly. You know, like I hate hate to paint as my career i would hate it it would like suck all the joy right out of it and during quarantine when the strip club was closed because i was still stripping like full-time when um quarantine started and right the club closed and they were nice enough to like once or twice a month have these car washes you know you can imagine what that was like um but other than that i had no income and stripping obviously is a cash only off the books business. Exactly. Getting so um, unemployment. And my dumb ass had not filed my taxes in a minute. I have now. So if the IRS is listening, I'm a <laughs> But I couldn't get the stimulus checks either. So I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? And I'm like, well, I am stuck inside. I might as well take this time to paint and I like painted portraits for people like for commission and stuff like that. And that's kind of how I made some money during quarantine. But that, that's awesome. It was, it was like cool. Yeah. But at this time, it, the fantasy of like painting whatever I want and being able to like sell it and this and that and the other thing, that's not the truth for everybody. It was very much like, okay, this person wants a portrait. I have to paint this person. This right. is an, you know, it's, it's 
it's and you're working from photographs because it's quarantine you know you're not going to meet up with people so you have to kind of like okay what photographs do you have you have to take whatever photo it's not always a great quality you have to try and take like a very small photograph blow it up onto a big canvas it, it was like like equal parts like creative and technical and yeah. I, anything technical because i'm a, i'm it's like i'm a brat i like want to do what i want to do especially when it comes to like being creative so it was sort of exactly a double-edged sword but it definitely came in handy but i wouldn't want to do it full-time <laughs> yeah. you know i mean i love i especially love like talking to people about what they did during quarantine because i was working one of the jobs where i didn't get to quarantine i had to keep going to work i was working at a senior living home so like I never stopped working. I got like, when I caught COVID, I got, I was supposed to have seven days after five. They're like, you're coming back at the end of this week. We don't care what your doctor's note says. You're coming back at the end of this week. We need you. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. That's wild. That's wild. Yeah, those were, those were very strange times. And there were a lot of people who had to work straight through it even if they didn't want to. So I'm sorry that that happened. That yeah. I mean, what I did like sort of transitioning, like from being home and then like kind of, I would say like towards the end of 2021 after all this is when I started this podcast, because as I was telling you before, when we start, before we started going live, it's like, I wanted to tell my story. I wanted a weekly thing that I could do myself. And I can't get gigs. So like, I might as well just like stay home and talk behind a microphone. And I said stuff that like some people would say, don't say that you're going to regret it. Sorry. I feel like you should be honest when you're doing a podcast and if you're holding things back, people will know. Did you regret anything? No. I haven't regretted anything I said. Speaking of my sisters, as I said, especially when I started like interviewing people, if she ever sees like the first two to three interviews I started doing with people, I would honestly get like a message from her because I did not make her look good at all. <laughs> But I said, as, as I said, I said my truth. So, like, <laughs> fuck I'm it. Sorry. I don't care. I'm just being honest. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's honestly happened. You said it. She said something at one point of me, just like doing drag was just a way for me to get attention. And it's like, well, if you didn't want me to say that in public, you shouldn't have said it to me. Like, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So when did you first become part of nightlife in Wilton Manor in Miami? So very shortly after I moved down here, actually, it was like kind of the first thing I did. Um, so I came down here like five years ago from 
New Jersey through Las Vegas for um, treatment for alcoholism and addiction. And I was yeah. in Vegas for three months in rehab. And then through some drama back in New Jersey with, um, it's a long story, but I wound up, instead yeah. of going to New Jersey, I stayed, I, I came down here to continue treatment for another month in Fort Lauderdale. I was like, all right, well, what am I going to do? Um, I definitely did not want to go back to doing hair, which is what I was doing in New Jersey. Um, cause I hated it. And yeah. I definitely didn't want to do retail and I definitely didn't want to be a server. And I'm like, I'm not the world's best dancer, but I do stay in the gym. I could easily be a stripper and it would be fun and something different and whatever, which I mean, may not, I, I would not suggest that to anybody that's first coming out of treatment to yeah. meet, start working at a strip club. I was fine. I've I'll be clean for five years in October. So it's, it was fine for me. It wasn't triggering or anything like that, but I was just like, this is going to be a fun and easy job where I don't have to wake up early. It's completely different than anything I've done and I'll still make money and it's exercise. Yeah. So I was like, all right, work. This is like, and it would be a great way to meet people down here, which right. worked out for me. <clears throat> so since then, you know, I, I worked in that strip club. The first one I worked at took a little break, did some other bullshit jobs that I said I wasn't going to do hair yeah. <laughs> serving, and then went, not that those jobs are bullshit, but they don't work for me. I am just not, not the person to work on his like schedule with people telling me what to do. It just like, um, right. So then I went back to stripping and I was like, I liked it. I was good at it. Um, made a lot of connections and I worked in one, two, three strip clubs down here. And that's kind of like how my life I started meeting people who were involved in nightlife. I met my drag mom who got me involved in performing in addition to I was working at the strip club and then performing. And then eventually after a while I stopped working at the club and started doing what I do now. And that's just, it was like one thing led to the next, led to the next, led to the next. So, okay. Elsa is cause you, br you brought this up. So you being in like a strip club working, did you ever like get close to falling off the wagon or were you able to like navigate it and like able to stay away from alcohol? So I never got close to falling off because working in these strip clubs, like no shade to these nice people, but you see the absolute messiest of messy situations. And it was very much like living in scared straight, but like the don't relapse version, you know? Yeah. In people vomit while they were on stage, vomit off the stage, Vom like literally vomit into their mask when we had to wear masks. 
I've seen people G out. I've seen people get taken out, like Baker acted out of the strip club. And it's like all of this insane behavior yeah. was directly a result of people's use. And it's like when I was using before I got clean, I was that person that I was never one to vomit, which I don't actually think is a good thing because sometimes that just helps you kind of like sober up. But if, if I could like drink my face off and just black out and be an absolute like Courtney Love hot mess and wake yeah. up in the fucking uh, emergency room hooked up to IVs, like not knowing how I got there. That was like how I used and seeing these people go through these things on a regular basis kind of remind these reminds it's like a constant reminder when i see the messy people out and stuff like that i'm like thank god i do not have to be this person anymore because it was not a good look on me and i it reminds me like the second i fall off i lose everything that i've worked yeah. really hard for so it's it, it wasn't triggering but i was never one to really like go out and socially like drink and use you know i was very much like a secret like i'm in my house like drinking and doing cocaine or like i'm like on the sneak about it i was never like one to be at parties and stuff so i don't know if it's maybe a mix of those two things like I was never one to really socialize and also look at these people socializing and totally messing up their lives. So a combo, but yeah, never really, it doesn't, didn't trigger me then. It doesn't trigger me now, but that being said, I wouldn't suggest for like everybody just coming out of rehab to like immediately start in the strip club. Cause just because it worked for me, it probably won't work for most people. No. And like, you saying that like like obviously i don't have a problem like i've had like in terms of performing like i'm someone especially as i was telling you like living so far away and like having to travel back and forth knowing that like you have to get in the car and drive home like an hour at some point you tend not to like drink a lot mm -hmm. so like there was like one bad night that I had and it wasn't necessarily like me doing stuff. It was like, I was performing and people were just like giving me drinks. Yeah. And that was a night that I will say like, thank goodness I didn't get a DUI that night. I was able to get like saved, but I almost did. And like that kind of taught me like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Like, so in terms of like performing since then, since then, I don't think I've had any drinks at all when I performed. I just don't do it. Because mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not a huge like alcohol drinker to begin with. Like I'm someone who like does maybe like if I have a drink, I'll be like one or two and like. That's all I need. And I think especially like singing live, like drinking a ton of alcohol before you have to sing isn't necessarily like good for your voice. Like, yeah, I'm sure. So, 
So when did you first start? Well, okay. I'll take off that part. When did you first start burlesque dancing? So I think the first show I was in was a little over two years ago. Uh, my drag mom put together a male burlesque show at one of the nights she hosts in Wilton Manors. And she was actually one of the first people I met when I came down here from New Jersey. I met her while I was working in the strip club. And I had expressed an interest in burlesque to her. And she had mentioned to me like, oh, I always wanted to have a male review. Um, flash forward about a year and uh, she put this male review together and she asked me to be in it. And yeah, it turned, it was that first time. And then it turned into like a monthly thing. So that's kind of where, it, that's where I started. It was uh, at the pub in Walton Manors. Awesome. Yeah. So do you like the fact that burlesque dancing allows you to explore your more feminine side? Because I know at least from what I know of burlesque, it's a little bit more like feminine than like traditional male stripping. Absolutely. Well, it, I mean, it doesn't have to be for everybody. Yeah. But my particular brand often is. And I love that. Absolutely love that. Because it kind of like, it, it lets you to explore different sides of yourself and play with different aspects of your personality, masculine, feminine, in between. Um, and it's fun because it's, you're really like celebrating different parts of yourself and inviting an audience to celebrate those parts of yourself and in turn, like themselves, like with you together you know it's it's right. it's cool i will say as someone who like i get that like i will say drag does that for me it's like i've sung like in and out of drag i like singing in drag a lot more because mm -hmm. like i get more into it than I do when I'm not. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, so, you, okay, you, sorry, God. No, you're good. Go ahead. Okay. Um, when was the first time you started experimenting with fire stunts? Fire stunts. Okay. So, on a whim... I went through this little phase of like, let me buy different props and see what sticks and what doesn't. Um, and I was on Etsy and I saw these really cool, like fire fans. They're like metal. They have almost kind of like a bat wing sort of shape to them. and Very like on brand for like the weird kind of shit I like to do. And right. I'm just going to buy them and maybe someday I'll learn how to use them and maybe I won't, but I'll have them just in case. And um, they were like sitting in my house for a while. I never thought to play with them. I didn't know what type of fuel to use or anything like that. And 
my my timeline is like not great. My concept of time is not fantastic. So I want to say it was maybe like a year and a half ago that my friend Sin and I had a show. Sin still has the show at La Boy. I perform in it. I am not a host of the show anymore. Um, I, I don't think I could ever really call myself a host because I hate being on a microphone. And Sin is like fantastic on a microphone. Um, but we were doing the show together, long story short. And Sin was like, why don't you use the fire props? I can teach you how to use them. And they were nice enough to come basically like give me like an intro lesson on like, okay, this is how you light them. Don't be scared to touch them. This is what you can do and whatever, whatever. And uh, sort of got me started in using them. We used them in the show and I loved using them. It just felt really cool. And I'm like not scared of fire for some reason. So it's, it's a bad trade <laughs> because yeah. like, I get burnt, but um, you know, so I started using them more often and I really kind of like grew to love the sort of contrast that can bring to a burlesque act because it's almost yeah. like an additional reveal, you know, cause like when you're already basically naked, like where can you go from there? I'm not going to pull my skin off as much as I'd love to. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> another like reveal something people don't really see coming and yeah, you know, use it the same way you'd use a feather or a fan or something. You can run it across your body. You can like play with it in your mouth. You can do like little stunts with it. And I feel like it gives like a really interesting, unexpected element of danger and sensuality to a performance. So yeah, now I love it. I use yeah. fire all the time. Wow. That is, I would probably be like, afraid of fire like i could just imagine like i was thinking as you said that like back to lady gaga who's like one of my musical inspiration inspirations and she used she talked about how she used to like light cans of hairspray on fire when she would perform in clubs i'm thinking that sounds awesome but that also sounds fucking crazy like <laughs> yeah i mean i think there's there's things that you do when you're young and you don't realize like I could have blown my hand off with this can of hairspray. Yeah. <laughs> trying to think like I wasn't even really like a pyro growing up. I mean there I had this like little moment where I made myself like a little Lydia Dietz canopy over my bed when I was younger and I used to sit there with my lighter and like burn little pieces into the canopy but um i was never one to like light shit on fire outside or anything that was like never my thing but i don't know i guess i'm, I'm glad i started doing this now that i'm like of a certain age because like i'm not scared but i'm also yeah. not anything really dumb yeah, you're not going to, like, try and do anything that's, like, truly stupid as you might have done when you were younger. It's like, let me find the craziest stunt I can find, and that's the one I want to try. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very happy to just, like, do pretty little things with it and whatever. I'm not going to try and, like, 
do anything where I could get like really, really, really hurt. Because a lot of the time, it's not also when you're you're in public. It's not just about like me burning myself alive. It's about like accidentally burning down a place. Exactly. So. So what made you want to show yourself in a devil's state, devil-like state in a lot of your performances? So I absolutely loathe religion, point blank period. Like, I'm not even going to lie about it. And same. okay, work. So we're on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> not here for it, but I'm very much here for... This is going to be a really dumb statement. Anti-religion? I'm like, I don't like this, but I kind of like the opposite of this. You know, very that. You know, yeah. I like um, the aesthetic of anything dark I've always loved since I was, like, little. So it's very much, like, kind of, like, always been part of, like, my creative expression to like draw or paint like demons and monsters and like that kind of thing, you know? Um, and my love for that aesthetic mixed with my absolute disdain for religion kind of makes that sort of image like resonate with me, you know? Yeah. And I feel like it also it's like a provocative thing that makes people think as well. You know, people see something that's sensual, but at the same time, like dark and maybe a little bit scary. Uh, it's, it's thought provoking and memorable. And it's also kind of like helps me get into the character as well, you know? Right. Before I start rambling but oh you can start rambling a little bit i will admit like i'm trying to pay attention to you like but at the same time like cash keeps typing in stuff and like i just can't help but like stare at it <laughs> hi cash <laughs> i have my glasses on and i still can't read the little words on the bottom so i'm gonna have to read it afterwards it's too far <laughs> yeah <laughs> So when did you start learning how to pole dance? At the strip club. Yeah. It was very just like, I'll figure it out, you know? <laughs> and I mean, I'm, I am by no stretch of the imagination, like an amazing pole dancer. I have a couple of tricks that I can do. And yeah, but I was like, when I first started, I'm sure it was rough. I'm sure it was rough. However, that being said, most of the dancers at the club I worked at for like the longest period of time were not doing anything up there. There, there was one guy who would like turn a show, but nobody was giving shows. And me being the fag that I am was like, well, I'm going to turn shows if I'm here, you know, because it's it's more awkward for me to just stand there and like pop my dick 
and like like make eye contact with people than it is to like get up there and do some kind of a, a show. So I was like, all right, well, there's the pole here. Let me try different things on the pole. Let me, they had like a ceiling rack. I could climb on the ceiling rack. You know, I could do like floor work. I could like lay down on the side of the stage. And it was like, okay, these are all ways to like keep me busy while I'm on stage. So I don't feel yeah. like laser beams going through me because the audience, the, uh, the audience, the patrons at the strip club yeah. are not always nice and if you are clearly a gay person regardless of the fact that it is a gay strip club they will look at you like what is this faggot doing on stage what we want the straight guys bring on the straight guys and though if you're too gay they're gonna look at you in a weird way and shit like that like really like not cute so i was like all right well if i'm up there like feeling like i'm turning it and like at least having a good time I'm not going to be as conscious of like the weird looks I'm getting from people. And I'm ne I will never be one at this point in my life to sit and pretend I'm a straight guy for it. It's just not going to happen. Not going to happen for me. Um, so yeah. And the more I would do that, you know, I would like learn more tricks. Eventually I would come in a little bit early from work and like you could get up there and practice on the pole if you're there early because the side that had the pole on it would be closed because the front bar was open. There was like two sides. Yeah. So I would get up there, I would set my little camera, I would like try some new tricks, see how they looked, make some adjustments and whatever. And yeah, that's like how I learned what I know how to do. Um, I'm sure if I had stayed working there, I probably would have maybe eventually taken classes or learned different things but yeah that said, like they are looking for very specific things at least at the club that i worked at and you know you'd have your handful of people that would be very much there for the fact that you are obviously a gay man in a gay strip club but so many of the patrons were coming in like looking for gay for paid dudes see like you saying that, like, to me, like, that blows my mind. Like, I wouldn't ever think, like, oh, I'd rather just see the gay for pay guy up there dancing. I'm like, it's like, so let me get this straight. You're a gay person who wants to see somebody essentially pretend to be gay? That sounds fucking crazy. <laughs> but the guy is they're not even pretending to be gay the gag is they are very much hey we are here we are straight guys but yeah come and touch us and put money in our jock shop and maybe we'll show you our dick if you're lucky very that very like internalized homophobia very let's put the straight guy on the pedestal very we're here looking for trade like that type of thing which is like hey you know what is a job and I made good money and I had fun a lot of the time, but that's also kind of like not something I can get behind. And I'm still like, as much as like the dangling carrot is tempting of like going back there and like having a night where I make like a shit ton of money and like, yeah, whatever. it's thinking about like continuing to support the idea that so many 
gay people have that we need to like idolize and worship straight men. It like just like doesn't sit right with me. Like somebody isn't hotter because they're straight. It's like no, like I go back like thinking of the time that like I went to like there was a night where a dancer was dancing at Parliament House back when I lived in Orlando and that person was Bo Banks who I consider like very someone who like rides the line and isn't necessarily like extremely masculine or, or extremely feminine it's like I didn't give a shit what he did just as long as he like danced but that's me like as you said some people wouldn't feel like that my thing is i don't give a fuck if a guy's hot and is doing stuff i'm gonna pay attention yeah 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 Same i don't know thing. i'm more open i'm more open-minded than some people <laughs> apparently <laughs> yeah it's 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 interesting and i could go on forever about you know that type of thing <clears throat> but so do you travel a lot as a burlesque dancer and a male stripper or are you pretty much like just in one specific area so this is turning out to be the year of me like traveling places um i have performed in chicago I've performed like in a lot of different places in Florida, but for right now, it's been like mostly here. Went to Chicago. I'm here. Um, but I have some things coming together this year where I'm going to be out of state and possibly out of the country. So it's exciting stuff, but it's like, it's like new stuff, you know? Um, that, that's awesome yeah i think it should be fun i really think it should be fun which I, actually okay i actually did just think of something i didn't write this down so would you ever consider auditioning for a show like go go for the gold no no okay it's just it's it's a different different thing that specific show I yeah have some really amazing go-go dancers on that show that's not really like my thing so much um if they had like a made like a burlesque reality show right i don't know i i i don't know i just i have this thing with like do i would i ever want to put myself in a position where i could be edited and turned into whatever team of producers wants to turn me into you know exactly that's kind of i was just curious about that because i'm someone who like i say now i would never do reality tv if someone like came to me and said like we want to do a docu-series about you i'm like i'm all for that like you could control how you're edited and like you see everything you don't just like I'm just going to leave it in the hands of producers. They're going to edit me the way they want. I don't love that idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's one group of people that produce like, like queer 
reality TV, I think I would trust them if I were to ever do something like that. Right. I've just, I've known people that have worked with them and it's been a good experience. But, you know, when I watch things like, like competition shows and stuff like that, it just seems like it always gets really ugly. Um, I've never seen Go for the Gold. I've seen clips for some of the dancers and they, I mean, like they're yeah. fantastic. And, you know, you look at something like Drag Race and it's made some people's careers and it's ruined other people's careers, you know? Exactly. And it's just like, as much as I consider myself to be a very respectful person and like nice and whatever, you know, I don't know what pressure they're going to have us under if you ever do something like that. You know, you don't know. If you're going to be sleep deprived because they're making you work a lot, or if you're going to be really like, I get super hangry if I'm not like eating every so often. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of circumstances that are out of your control. Um, yeah. And there's also the stress. Then there's when you're on a gigantic public platform, yeah. no matter what you do, there's always going to be people that like just hate you for existing. Exactly. Would I ever want to subject myself to? that type of a thing for someone to hate me because I didn't go home and someone else did in my place, like that kind of stuff. I'm just yeah. like, and do I really want to be like super duper judged for my art? Right. It's going to like judge your art. If you're doing something publicly and you're performing in front of people, there's always going to be people that are judging you. That's just like part of the game. But on like a national platform like that, I don't know. That just seems like, a lot of pressure well i would say like i actually do know a little bit of what kind of went on with the first season of that show because i interviewed um rico the winner from that show and apparently i was thinking like it was like drag race where you spend hours doing stuff and he said no it was like literally they went in for like 20 minutes like did every episode and then left they weren't like put on ice or anything. And I'm like, well, that sounds kind of easy. <laughs> I mean, I did it. Did it get ugly? I didn't watch it. Did it get ugly? Were they fighting? There was. Them? Okay. So there was a fight between Rico and the person who ended up coming in second place, AJ, that went on throughout the show. But that was basically from what he told me the producers the second day of them recording they were all like being too nice to each other and basically the producers kind of were like y'all need to start like getting into a little bit of a fight because y'all are being too nice <laughs> imagine that which i mean that's what producers do <laughs> people want to see drama it's the human condition you know although yeah. jet adore was like the guest on one of they had like a burlesque night on that show, yeah. right? Yeah, um, they did have a burlesque episode. Yeah, and when I tell you he's like one of my biggest inspirations in the world, and I think if I like met him in that setting, like if I had to like put together an act and like do it in front of him, I would just fucking drop dead right there. <laughs> I don't think I could handle it, you know? Like when you like look up to somebody so much, and then you're like. Well, I have to perform in front of this person. Like, I don't even know what I would do. I yeah, just, like, I mean, I mean, I get that. Like, if you told me, like, 
to audition for a singing show and all of a sudden one of the judges was Lady Gaga, I'd be like, I'm like, so I got to sing in front of Gaga and she's going to judge me? <laughs> yeah. That's like a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. So... What made you want to start doing OnlyFans and what type of content do you post on there? So... I have a lot of friends who are like really, really, really successful with OnlyFans. And I mean, I knew that I wasn't going to be because I'm posting a different kind of content than they are. But, you know, I do model on the side um, and a lot of it is like, like art photography type modeling. So I wound right. up with a like really, 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 really well done nudes from fantastic photographers that I've worked with and stuff like that, you know, and they'll send me them and be like, yeah, you know, if you have, do you have an OnlyFans? If you have an OnlyFans, you know, you feel free to post this, whatever, whatever, whatever. And... I had tried to make an OnlyFans during quarantine and I put like zero effort into it and I shut it down. But I stockpiled all of these photos that are really nice and I have nowhere to put them, you know? And I don't want to risk obviously like putting a little sticker and putting it on Instagram and get my account shut down again, you know, like after I put so much work into that. I'm like, you know what? Like a passive income thing where every so often you know, I'll post just a photo of myself that I've taken or these really nice professional photographs that I have, you know, they're sitting in a folder on my phone, not getting used. This is at least a place to put them. They're nice photos and I can make a little bit of money off of things I have no place to put that I really love. So it just kind of seemed like, okay, well, I have something I can sell. I have a place I can sell it why not just do that you know right so i'm not ever posting anything like triple x or like actual sex or sex acts or anything like that but you know it's like either like selfies of me in various states of undress or <laughs> professional yeah. like pretty nudes and stuff like that that needed a nice home <laughs> Which, I mean, well, first of all, you, the crazy thing you said, you can get thrown off of Twitter for doing stuff. I mean, granted, I know, like, every picture I post, no matter what, without a doubt, like, Twitter just puts, no matter if it's, like, a picture of my ass or, like, it's literally just, like, me in drag, they put warnings on everything I post. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I have not figured out Twitter yet. I don't know if I'm, like, too old and that's, like, for the kids now or whatever. But, like, I have kind of figured out how to use Instagram. I have not figured out how to use Twitter. So I do not even try. Every now and then, I'll just, like, put something there. If I feel like, okay, this is cute for Twitter, but not, like, like I don't really care enough to put effort into it. So I don't even really, like, know how to work it so much, you know? Well, yeah, and I get that, and also, fuck, um, just being on social media, as I've told people before, if I wasn't, like, doing drag and, like, 
entertaining and doing like this podcast and stuff, I would see no need to be on social media. Mm-hmm. Like if I didn't have shit to promote, I don't get like the whole purpose of people being on social media. Don't get me wrong. I'm grateful for everyone that is like, it gives people viewers to my stuff, but it's like, other than that, I just don't see the point. Yeah. I mean, like people, I can't speak for other people, but like where I'm from, like art doesn't exist unless there are people to view it, you know, otherwise exactly an object or a a video or whatever. It's like, it, it needs that. It needs viewers to exist you know so it's kind of like i don't love the a lot of the the catches that come with social media you know i mean it it breeds body dysmorphia and depression and a lot of other things that can be really really unhealthy but at the same time it is like a free platform to share art with people yeah you know, I don't like that it's become so puritanical when it comes to like them shadow banning people, which very much seems to be pointed at certain people and not others, you know? Right. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, there's, there's going to be bullshit with everything and it's like stuff that I can't change. So, and like you said, in in an uh, entertainment business, any kind of business where you're interacting with the public or whatever, it's like you you your social media is basically like your portfolio, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> Let's see, and like, it's also like some people like if I were to tell anybody like advice about anything, you gotta develop a thick skin because like I will say a lot of what I get is like nice comments and stuff i'm grateful for it but i've also gotten things where it's like it's like younger me wouldn't have been able to handle what i can handle now and it's like i look at some shit and i'm like why did you have to like write that because you know i'm gonna like block you and delete whatever you're gonna say so it's like you wasted your time like sitting there basically making fun of me and you think this is going to break my day? All it's going to make me do is like just want to shut you out and like not ever hear from you again. Like I'll just block you. Yeah, people are hateful. Some people, but a lot of the time, like if somebody's like really coming at you with some stuff like that, it's more about them than it is about you. It's some kind of. I don't know. People who really come for other people see characteristics they don't like in themselves reflected back at them off of someone else. That's a lot of the time where that's coming from. So it's it's really like if somebody's getting really nasty or saying nasty things or whatever and taking time out of their day, because once we spend time, it's done. That's like another 10 minutes, like towards the day we die. So if they want to take that 10 minutes and spend it on talking shit about somebody they've never met on the internet, it's not about you. Yeah. 
about them and whatever bullshit they're going through, honestly. And you can't even let it bother you because it's it's just inconsequential. And it's almost like, um, I'm sorry for that person, you know, like, yeah. hope you figure out what you need to figure out type stuff. And it's like, especially like when people go for like my body, it's like, especially it's like, I'm a drag queen. So sometimes I get stuff from women and it's like, first of all, I don't want to fuck you anyway. So it's like, why are you coming at me? Like. Yeah. Anyway. So, do you consider yourself an extremely sexual person or are you more of just like a free spirit nudist? If you get what I'm saying with that. So, like, honestly, <clears throat> the more I have worked in stripping and burlesque and performance and everything like that, the less of a sexual person I have become. And I don't know if that's also because I'm like getting older, you know, your sexual life kind of decreases as you get older, but yeah, I'm definitely not like a super sexual person. And I don't know, it's like, even when I'm like towards the end of an act and I'm wearing like a, a like a merkin and pasties or like a, a g-string or something like that it still to me doesn't feel like nudity or exhibitionism it feels more like i i don't know like my, my focus is never on like okay i'm naked now you know it's more on like okay how do i make a pretty shape with my body while i'm wearing this you know that kind of thing <clears throat> sexuality doesn't ever really come into it for me sensuality does yes yeah. doesn't and i think that's another reason why i make a better burlesque performer than i do a stripper because for me it was never about sex if that makes any sense yeah so it's more like in a way you're saying like burlesque is a little bit more like art whereas like stripping is a little bit more like sex no stripping can is stripping is definitely an art as well but i feel like you need to to be a really good stripper you need to infuse more of a sexuality into it whereas i feel like in burlesque you can get away with more of it being a playful tease or like a mood or a, a, a something more along the lines of sensual as opposed to sexual <clears throat> if that makes right sense. yeah so i think before you said you were dating somebody so i'm going to try and like rephrase this question do you think it would be hard to date people or be in a relationship because you're a dancer um, I mean, I've, I've been in a relationship since I've been doing, like, before I was doing this. Right. So, I kind of, like, 
it, it doesn't make it hard on the relationship, on my relationship at least, from the direction of like jealousy or tea with like that type of stuff. Cause it's yeah. just like, we're, our relationship isn't really like that. We, we aren't like jealous controlling people or whatever, but um, it does get difficult to balance time, you know? Cause it's right. like, as much as you're on stage for like seven minutes tops per act, the amount of prep work, the amount of footwork exactly. and everything like that, it eats, it eats up a lot of your time. Rehearsal eats up a lot of your time. Um, traveling eats up a lot of your time. So it's like, what does get difficult is not letting your career eat up your entire life and still making sure to make time for your partner which I'm right. I sometimes have trouble balancing because, you know, I mean, I live in Boca. I work in Miami or Fort Lauderdale for the most part. I'm on the road a lot. I am rehearsing a lot. I do definitely make a filthy mess out of the house when I'm like working on costumes and stuff. And that can <laughs> make a relationship a little bit more complicated sometimes. Um, but yeah, for, for me, those are like the challenging parts more so than like my partner getting jealous or me getting jealous or whatever. It's, it's more like a time thing, you know? Yeah. And I mean, like, as you, and it's like such a good point that you're like bringing that up because if you had just like stopped at your first statement and people had just said like, you're doing stuff for like five, seven minutes. How could it be like difficult? But as anyone who's an entertainer, performer, musician, you know that like, yes, there's a like physical event that you have to do, but if you don't practice like one wrong thing and you could like fuck shit up, Definitely, definitely, definitely. As in, like, and there are some times where, like, even if you practice a lot, you could still fuck up. Like, things are always going to fuck up. Yeah. Things are always going to fuck up. Nothing ever goes completely 100% as planned. Um, and, you know, you never walk on stage thinking, Today, I think I'm going to fuck my zipper up while I'm trying to take my pants off. Like, but it can happen. It's live theater. You're working with live crowds of people, <laughs> which are unpredictable. Um, and sometimes props just don't always work the way you want them to. Sometimes the stage is slippery. You know, sometimes you have to walk in blind to a place not knowing what the area you're going to be working looks like how much space you're going to have etc 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 and it's it's so nothing is ever perfect you know yeah interesting and exciting yeah i'm thinking about like just from a vocal perspective like that competition i was telling you about i think i might have told you this off camera though like 
it's like my track was already going and I was looking for somebody. I'm like, I need a microphone. Like, and yeah. then like once they handed me, it's like, okay, so I have to remember where I am in terms of like the intro and like where I'm going to come in. And like, so you try and be in the moment, but a lot of times you have to think about like, what's going to go, what could go wrong. And like, Sometimes it takes you out of the moment a little bit, but you want to think about what's coming next. Yeah. Totally. So, so, what is the biggest misconception about you? About me? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I've had a lot of people tell me before they met me that like, before I met you, I thought you were going to be really mean. And I'm not. <laughs> I'm. And otherwise, I'm, I'm like pretty much an open book with everything. Like, I can't keep a secret to save my life. And I don't even try to. So. I don't know. I think people kind of like sometimes will correlate a dark aesthetic with someone being an asshole and usually it's the opposite right so i think that's that would probably be the only exception i could think of or maybe that i'm a slut because i'm not <laughs> <laughs> um not that there's anything wrong with being a slut but i just don't like no sex, so. no of course not like It's like I, I can't I can't judge people for being sluts because I've had my time where I am. Now I'm more like I have a friend with friends with benefits, so it's like I get to be with just like one person, and that for me is like great. Yeah. <laughs> Not having to be with like random people. And I can see why you would like hesitate thinking that question because like if I had somebody ask me that same thing it'd be like a lot of times people can't see my emotions because of the fact that I wear sunglasses reason for that is because like one I get nervous on I get nervous performing so it's like it's nice to like not be able to see the audience sometimes and two, I know that Cash is watching, and this is gonna this is gonna be like a shock to, to her being a drag queen. I don't know how to do eyes. <laughs> like I've never like tried to teach myself or anything like that. Because my thought was, well, sunglasses are kind of my thing. There's no point in me like trying to learn how to do eyes when I'm just gonna cover them up. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And it's also, I know that, like, one wrong mistake with your eyes and you end up looking fucking crazy. <laughs> I mean, from a distance, you can get away with a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, because, like, like people sitting 10 feet away aren't going to be, like, clocking how well you blended your makeup out and everything. Oh, well, actually, yeah, they will. But, um it's a little bit more forgiving when you're farther away, you know? Yeah. 
but eyes are fun. That's my favorite part. I like eyes. And it's like if you, you set the um the light up the right way, you can kind of like like see the shapes of where it should go. <laughs> I don't know. Like I don't know how to explain it. Like I'm sounding really stupid right now, but Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eyes are no, no, no. I'm reading what Cash said. <laughs> she literally says that I'm the girl ten feet, ten feet away, clocking. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and it's also like that's another thing. It's like, it's like you can't see my eyes if you're doing something like this. Is definitely probably in my open mic days. I heard people like who were singing and they were not the greatest. And it's like, you don't want to see somebody like you don't want to be that person that like lets the people see you eye rolling when they're trying to hit a note and be like, mama, what the fuck was that? Like, <laughs> like just no. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. That makes me seem like a bitch. But um... you know, it's really funny that we're having this particular conversation because I was just talking to somebody about this same thing, I think it was yesterday, about how a lot of musicians wear sunglasses because it's a barrier between them and the audience. And I was thinking about like, oh, you know what? The times that I've worn masks, I definitely, like, I get it. Like, I felt... yeah lot more protected and i guess it's like a subconscious thing or whatever if your eyes are covered you subconsciously in our like animal brain or whatever we feel more safe or something like that but i i, I totally totally get that and it's also it allows at least what i would say like one of the things that i'm glad that it makes me do is especially like when I'm performing something super like emotional, it allows my voice to kind of tell the story and not my face. Okay. Okay. That makes sense too. Yeah, Cause a lot of the expression is in the eyes. Sorry, as I said, like, I've been trying to, like, focus on you and, like, sometimes, like, Cash is being, like, so funny and it's, like... I miss the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, she's, like, literally saying, my brain is that of a mole rat. Like, what? just... <laughs> Word. Word. Okay. Cash, Cash turned the party today. <laughs> yeah, and I will say, like, You'll get to see it in, like, unfortunately, like, she was probably, like, one of the only people viewing the whole time. But it's, like, that's why I also post this on YouTube. Because you probably have people in, like, other parts of the country who see you who are not going to be up, like, early in the morning viewing stuff. Yeah. Nobody's up right now. <laughs> Nobody's up right now. No, and it's, that's why, like, honestly, with people, like, 
outside of the like Eastern time zone. I try and like reserve interviews on Tuesday, which is like another time that I have for them because it's like, I don't want to be the asshole who's telling somebody in LA, okay, I need you to be up at 630 your time to like be here and like expect you to be like peppy and like energetic. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Like I, in real life, would be waking up in 20 minutes from now. See, but, see, but that's like, that's nightlife. I mean, on the weekends, I try and like sleep in a little bit, but like during the week, I'm very much the person who like gets up at four in the morning and like goes out exercising and like, yeah, yes. Yeah, that's why I know, like, early hours are not conducive to nightlife. Like, I also love my, like, 12, 12.30 gym time because, like, no one's there. That's nice. It's like. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking, like, definitely during the week, like, 12, 12.30, like, most people are at work. Empty. Fully empty. There's maybe five people there. And. It's very nice. <laughs> Whereas like going yesterday in the morning on a Saturday at like, oh, it wasn't even the morning. When did we go? Like one o'clock or something like that. It was like packed. Absolutely, absolutely packed full of people. And it's like, I hate that. <laughs> I I hate a crowded gym. I hate it. But No, I, I hate crowded anywhere. Like literally I had to go to like Walmart to get my, um, like get a valve replaced in my tire. I got there at um like 9:30. I didn't end up leaving till like two o'clock. Like what? Wait, what? Yeah, seriously. Like <laughs> what the hell? That's crazy. And you and you gotta think like as I told you the area that I'm in, the area that I'm in compared to like a city is not that bad. And it's like I was I was literally like one of the last people to leave and it's like and it's like for something that honestly could have probably taken like 20 minutes I had to wait hours <laughs> oh But there there was a time that I got there like as soon as they opened like and I left at like 1:30 like they I got there at 7 and left there at 1:30 like and <laughs> It's a whole day. Yeah, it's like that's my whole day. It's like luckily I didn't have anything else planned. Like <laughs> but it now sucks that like with my work schedule currently I can only do stuff on the weekends because I'm like the person who like in an ideal schedule I'd love like having one weekend day off and like one day during the week. Like mm -hmm. So I could like actually do shit during the week and not just have to be like at work Monday through Friday. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do sometimes miss having like a day off in the weekend. Honestly, that's very rare now. But you, you get but a little 
people. But as some people probably say, like, you're having fun, though. It's like, no, it's fucking work. Like, it may be fun for the audience, but it ain't fun for you. (laughs) I mean, like, it's fun. It's fun. It's, but it's also like, it's a different kind of fun when you can just go out and not have to be like on, you know? Yeah. So, not because, and I'm not complaining. Trust me, I'm not complaining. And a lot yeah. of me just mismanaging my own schedule. But, uh, so I would just like assume this. You probably never go out when you're not performing, right? I do sometimes. It's not often, but I do. I do sometimes. Occasionally. I don't love it. But then when I don't do it for a really long time, I'm like, oh, I kind of want to go out, you know? Yeah, I mean, I kind of get that. I kind of get that, too. Like, I'm someone who, like, if I'm not performing, I don't go out. Because it's, like, the idea of just, like, being in a bar, like, having to get in drag. Because, like, the amount of times I've been at a place... Not in drag, probably in total, I would say three. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's like, I want to, like, go out, like, do the zhuzh, and that, like, all takes time. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Like, I was thinking about, like, you spoke before about Palm Beach Pride. Like, I saw, like, the event Friday, and I'm like, so do I really want to, like, get home after working eight hours and then, like, have to spend an hour getting ready? Well, like, half an hour, 45 minutes getting ready, and then, like, drive an hour to go do this and I'm like do I really want to and I'm like it's like maybe I'll feel like more energized to do it once it gets closer but it's like now I'm just like god I just want to be at home (laughs) I feel that it's going to be a fun event though it's going to be fun Palm Beach Pride is fun well I think it was the after party I was looking at the thing that runs from like 6pm to 2am like where is it uh, house lounge, I think. Oh, work. Okay. Yeah, like it's like I know. Speaking of cash, cash is gonna be there the second day, which is Saturday, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. 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 Well. Hopefully, I will be. I, I'm. I'll be there on Saturday. So hopefully, our thing we're doing wraps up, so I can come watch. Oh, yeah, I think it will because it's nighttime thing, right? It's like after the the parade and the the whole little thing they do. What you saying? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I'm reading Cash. Like Cash is saying it's Saturday and Sunday. There's no way. The thing I read was like, I'm going to let her respond. But it's like the thing that I read was definitely Friday and Saturday because I'm 
Okay, I will. I will, girl. I see you. Like, <laughs> I was thinking, I don't know. I may stay to, I may stay down there and do like Friday and Saturday night. It all depends on if I can get somebody. Because right now, the weekend of Palm Beach Pride, I don't have a guest yet. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, that's... When I tell people, like, if anyone ever wants to do a podcast like doing this, you're going to have to get used to the fact that, like, you're going to send a lot of messages out. You're going to have not a lot of people respond. Because, like... Someone you worked with, like Sin Silva, sent him a message, still haven't heard back. Like, <laughs> they're super, super, super busy. Yeah, I know. I, I know that. Like, I know people get super busy, and like, I'm not, I'm not like angry because of that. There's some people who would get that. It's like, you got to realize people get super busy. There's sometimes they don't see stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. And. Or you'll like, you'll be busy and you open something and you look at it and you're like, I don't have time to like put a, a an appropriate response right now. Mental note, I'm going to respond to this later, like after the gig and then you forget. And then. Yeah. Three- Later, you're scrolling through your messages and it's like, oh, shit, I forgot to write back. And that, like, happens a lot, you know, I feel like because it's especially if you're, like, traveling around to a bunch of different places to work and stuff like that, which I know Sin definitely does. It'll, like, you'll make a note to, like, respond to something when you have the time to actually, like, engage and respond rather than give, like, a word whatever, you know, and... I think people just forget because there's there's so much to think about <laughs> and like you saying that like honestly i would like the idea of like somebody giving me more than one word response because it kind of like gives me a gauge of how they're going to be in the interview because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if you respond like yes sure like so okay, what kind of mood are you gonna be when I finally get you? And like, am I gonna have to like drag stuff out of you? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. It's it's like a, a a tricky call to make. Like, is it better to just acknowledge? I guess like the the. I know I need to get better at this. To be like, hey, I can't really talk in depth right now, but I'll talk later and then remember to do it you know that's yeah. like ideally what to do that's not what that's not what i do yeah and it's like even now like in terms of like getting back to people during the week for me it's like a little bit challenging between nine to five to like get back which is why i'll either send messages like super early in the morning or like a little bit later at night because i'm working a job where i'm not allowed to have my phone oh, okay so i'm like 
every time I get a break, I'm like running out to my car, like just responding back to people, seeing what people are saying. Yeah. Because you have time. Yeah. It's like, and when I first like signed up for this job, I'm thinking like, that's going to be nothing. And then I realized I'm like, it's like until you can't be on your phone, you don't realize how much you're on your phone, like checking stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a email, news, Instagram, email, Facebook messages, and then like a cycle, like a little, like a rat on a wheel, like back and forth, back and forth, checking all the different stuff, whatever. But but as you said, you have to respond to stuff as soon as you can because otherwise you're gonna forget to respond. Like, yeah, yeah. Not only like come off like a jerk, which like I is it's it's not being a jerk. It's just like forgetting. You're busy. Like it's not even that that I'm. I mean that's definitely part of it, but it's like I'm I'm just dumb. You know, like I just forget. I forget shit all the time <laughs> and it's like so i'm not trying to be a jerk it's just like i forget stuff and then i'll remember and i'll feel like so bad <laughs> so it's like usually i'll respond with some kind of like opening with like a profuse apology of like i'm so sorry it took me three days to get back to you that's not okay yeah but i <laughs> you know like i need to do better you weren't that bad like <laughs> at least, well at least when dealing with me you weren't that bad like Maybe you are with other people, but like, as I say, my judgments of people are honestly based on just how they deal with me. Like, okay. So like somebody said, like, they never got back to me. I'm like, well, they were super chill with me. And it's like, maybe they could just sense that, like, you're an evil person. And like, that's why they didn't get back to you immediately. <laughs> Always that. <laughs> I mean that's that's super shady to say to somebody but it's like well it's like at some point you want to be like well yes I'm your friend but it's like maybe I'm just like tolerating you <laughs> the way I'm going to be going through all of my messages and responding to all of them <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh no! No, but the, no, that uh, wasn't my point. I'm not trying to like guilt trip you into like no, no, answering no. people back. Like <laughs> I'm really good at guilt tripping myself. So even if you weren't, I I'm, I can manage guilt myself with like that. Oh god! But you know, it's 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 wild to think that. Like there was a point in a life and and most people's lives now, I mean, like there's some people that were too young for this, but like where we didn't even have any platforms like this at all. I mean, I remember when I remember first getting a computer and having like AOL and having like dial up internet and everything took like, it would take you like a half an hour to like get onto the internet. And yeah. That's that would just be too busy. It was just too busy. It couldn't, it didn't work, you know, like, and like, See, I, like video see. chat. Yeah. 
I didn't think this would ever happen. See, I didn't know that. Like, I will admit, I am someone who's like, kind of like, I'm in my 20s, but I'm like in my late 20s. So like, I did know there was a time when we didn't have internet in the house, but it wasn't because like it wasn't available. My mom was just like someone who didn't have internet in the house for like the 2000s. So like, mm. and that, and it was just like dealing with the internet. And even sometimes now you think of like all this like shit of people like doing stuff on the internet. And it's like, you want to be like back in my day there was no tiktok i'm like <laughs> you just feel like super old <laughs> well, how long has tiktok been around for now like a year two years maybe i think it's been around longer than that i think it might be like three or four years i don't know i'm very new to it and like i don't use tiktok the way that people like conventionally use it i'm more like put up performances and me singing live and like clipping interviews because i don't do like tiktok trends i don't even know how to use tiktok i'm fully <laughs> fully like dating myself right now <laughs> figure out tiktok i can't figure out twitter i remember not having the internet or a computer in my house <laughs> <laughs> was he a, a, a pilgrim like <laughs> was he there you know, like, not quite that old, but definitely old enough to remember not having a computer in my house. And it's like, we're talking like we're super old. There are gays that are older than us that still, like, go out partying every night. Like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> and totally. it's like, you're, like, 50, 60 years old. It's like, how the fuck do you have the energy to go out every night? Like, even... <laughs> If I was like in a in a big city, I feel like at some point I just want to be like, when do I get to the point where I don't want to go out anymore and like I just stay at home all the time and like that's my life being a hermit. Like it's a nice life. <laughs> nice hermit. Very nice. <laughs> Cash just said they have energy from drugs. I wasn't going to point that out, but like <laughs> they probably do. I'm sure, that, I'm sure that definitely helps in some cases, in a lot of cases. But. So, like, obviously, well, going back to you, like, so when you became sober, you obviously became sober from like drugs and alcohol, right? Like, you didn't. Yes. You weren't like one of those people who's like, I'm going to stop drinking, but I can smoke, like, 18 joints a day, and, like, that's... <laughs> I mean, I'm, like, a very firm believer in everybody's journey is their journey. So, for yeah. me, I know from experience that I can't do anything. Right. take me right back to the worst parts. And some people can you know, put down a more serious drug and smoke. 
and that's it. Or some people can quit drugs and have cocktails here and there and that's it. And it's different for everybody and like whatever works to make your life more manageable. Fierce. But yeah. for me, I know that I absolutely just cannot with anything, any kind of mood or mind altering substance, obviously, except for coffee. Yeah. But you know, <clears throat> you can't smoke. You can't do like, people will be like, Oh, what about mushrooms? They're from the earth. I can't do that. <laughs> you know? Like I would never do like, go do ayahuasca for spiritual reasons. I wouldn't take that risk. Because it's like, at this point, I'm not willing to gamble on like experimenting with things that could just like bring me back to being an absolute and total fuck up. Because sometimes it's like, like a shark tasting blood and then all of a sudden wants more. Yeah. You know, it's very that. So, and I've, I've seen it and I've done it and I've been the person to be like, okay, I can smoke a joint and no, I can't. Okay. Yeah. Then I can have a beer or maybe I'll set a two cocktail limit. Like I've literally tried everything except for get completely clean and then and, getting completely clean is the only thing that works and then i've tried getting completely clean and not participating in my recovery and that didn't work either so it's like okay yeah. i know that for me i have to have a sponsor i have to go to meetings i don't go to meetings as often as i should but i have to go to meetings from time to time i have to communicate with other people in recovery and I need to make it a priority to like treat myself well enough that I'm not going to like become resentful of myself and fuck everything up on purpose accidentally, you know, like self-sabotage type bullshit. Yeah. So I have to like follow the right direction and is, is long, literally, literally as long as I am following that right direction, everything goes right always everything goes completely right yeah but it's it's like, also... i'm go sorry ahead. go ahead no i was gonna say like what i've heard people who are like ex-addicts tell themselves it's not like you're trying to look for the rest of your life you honestly just take it one day at a time right yeah yeah so today i'm not gonna get fucked up yeah you know it's, it's like like when people like first start going to the gym, it's like thinking about, oh, I have to go to the gym every day. That's so daunting. There's like so much to think about. Reframe it. You, like the, It's just about reframing things as like, I'm going to do this today for me. Yeah. And then I'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, you know? Exactly. It's it. It, it makes things a lot less daunting. It makes things a lot less like heavy, like, oh shit, I'm tied to this pillar for the rest of my life. And I am, but right. I don't have to think about it like that. See, I am, um, I'm someone who like tries to stick to a schedule because literally, as I said before, with like having to quit my job that I did, the reason that I like, ended up quitting was because like I could barely walk so like doing that and like in that way I like somehow was like from working and like icing my feet every day I dropped 40 pounds and it's like 
after I left that job, I had to realize like I need to start exercising and like there was like one day where I decided like, oh yeah, I can skip it. No, you can't. Cause then like all of a sudden it's like, I put on 10 pounds on my face and I'm like, it's like, you don't want to, but like you realize you could, that you kind of have to <laughs> in order to like make it and like be healthy. Yeah. It's tricky. And I'm trying to do it definitely with like having a desk job now, like, the idea of me like going out every morning is like something that I like or like five days a week going out in the morning is like something that I have to tell myself. It's like you have to do this. Otherwise, if you stop, you're going to eventually like mold into your desk chair and you don't want that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, especially if you have a job where you're like, you have to remain seated for like really, really, really long periods of time. It, it's hard on your body. You know, right? It's because you know, like we're we're not meant to be sitting at desks. It's like exactly a popular opinion type of thing of me trying to be like oh, we're just animals and we have to go run in the wild and whatever. Like, no, we're literally like not shaped for that. And I mean, like even me, like sitting in my car in fucking traffic for like two hours a day, like my back is fucked by the end of the day. <laughs> I had a job at one point. Um, I work security when I was like young and I would sit in a lobby for like eight hours. And by the end of the day, I was just like young, but like my fucking back hurt, my ass cheek was falling asleep. I still get some yeah. sciatic issues from like, just like sitting on that chair all the time or whatever. And it's like, we're just, we're, we're not meant to do that. And you know, it's kind of like, we have to balance it out with like, okay, if we're forced to be immobile for, such and such amount of time like we have to balance it with some form of exercise yeah just for our own sake just for the sake of our health you know right totally okay well with that being said i got through everything it was so great having you on thank you so much for having me of course and with that being said, this is Gay Out the City. I'm your host, Prince Electro Diamond, and I hope you've enjoyed. Stream.